1: 21st, the year is 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. My name is Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee, back there in Orlando, Florida, making sure that we stay off the rails, that we never even get on them, <laughs> that we that we start and finish in the same ditch, in the same place even, as our illustrious <laughs> producer Chandler Strang. Hello. And out there in Loveland, Virginia, doing his best to keep us on track, eye on the prize, a, f- a man of of truly superhuman focus and intentionality, it's our friend Jesse Carey. Hello, hello, mighty man of valor indeed. <laughs> now, Tyler,
0: we have a lot to get to, I'll let you intro the guest yeah. in a second, but I've prepped a yeah. lot of shows over the years, I mean... Literally hundreds of these of these podcasts.
1: You put together and these little outlines that we look at to kind of make sure what we know. It gives us a little some guideposts.
0: Yeah, exactly. It walks us through the show. Every show we go in, we share this rundown that that uh, you know. Tyler, you've you've done your fair share of them as well. Yeah, but yeah.
1: You're you're a master, Jesse. You. Let me just say
0: this: <laughs> this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be one of the weirdest, most fun shows. <laughs> Topically, every point oh, I'm no. looking at in this rundown oh, no. gets weirder and. and. And there's so much to talk about today. And here's the thing. We've been on a streak lately where we've been having multiple like big name guests on the show. You know, like we've had Corey Asbury, Echo Smith, Brian Stevenson. We've had this run of these big guests and we've had a lot of like, you know, I think the last three weeks we had or the last three episodes, we had Carlos Whitaker, uh, Corey Asbury prop set in uh, on a show. We've had a lot of these guests. This is a Spartan crew today. But we have some weird things that I am very, very much looking forward to. And like I said... Th- that is, you know, I know where the goalpost stands in getting weird on this podcast. Oh, okay. No. We're, we're kicking, we're, we're, we're kicking one from 75 yards out today. Guys, we're setting an all time record into the wind, into the wind. People are going to be like, wow, that one, that one sailed through it barely, but it it sailed through, but that was a deep, that was a deep kick. And that's what uh-huh. it is today. So,
1: and honestly, it'd be easy because if you, if we had somebody like say, like say Corey Asbury, on, like we love having people, on to help us host it. I think it's important that we do yeah, uh, because yeah. it gives us kind of a, I would say a moral compass maybe to abide by. You know what I mean? Like we, we can't, yeah. we can't get too, we can't get too high into the stratosphere or we're going to lose them. They're, they're going yeah. to, they, they don't want to fly They don't want to soar those heights today. We don't have to do, we don't have to hold anybody's hand no, to no. explain no. where we're going. We don't, we don't have to talk down. We don't have to like try to set the, set the table for anybody. We're just going. We're just going, right, and listeners, if that leaves you behind, we're, that's why we're warning you now.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I will. Oh, so we have one real meat and potato segment that if you're listening to this and you're wanting some spiritual depth, I will say the guest is going to bring it. But don't yeah. expect oh d- expect some shallow waters that uh, with some very <laughs> severe <laughs> trenches that you're just going to fall into, not know how to get out.
1: But but we do have a great guest. It's Tyler, tell who's on yeah. the show yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, We're excited. <laughs> we are excited to welcome Addison Bevere. Uh, he's. Be talking to us about his new book. It's called Saints Becoming More Than Christians. And that's super cool. Addison Bevere, a good guy, comes from a, a really storied legacy. The book is is terrific. The conversation, Jesse, that you had was also really, really strong, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I you know, I highly recommend this book because I was telling Addison this uh, after we wrapped our interview the other day, um, which you'll hear later in the show. Um, you know, it's not often that I feel like a book takes a term and idea that we all know and are familiar with—in this case, the idea of saints and the word mm-hmm. "saints"—and is able to not only describe the original intent of the word but also show how us getting it wrong all these millennia later, since that, you know, since that was recorded in scripture, has, you know, kind of has a a detrimental effect or can have a detrimental effect on our own spirituality and our own faith. It's a fascinating book, fascinating conversation. Definitely stick around. You're going to want to hear about Addison's book, Saints. The other great thing about Addison, um, and I didn't know this when I did the interview. I (laughs) found out this when we were... And and this is where this is where it
1: begins. This is where we start. This is where we like we, we, we promised you sweet and potatoes. That's coming. But we're starting off with jelly yeah.
0: beans. We're yeah, we're, just sweet, sweet jelly beans. Um <laughs> because we're doing we're talking pre-show, the three of us, and we're going through the outline. And Chandler goes, You know, Addison and Bevere and I grew up playing street hockey together.
2: <laughs> so I I want to yeah. talk
0: about this real quick, Chandler. Addison Bevere, I'm assuming, is about your age. And uh, because his parents, who are very, you know, John and Lisa Bevere are very well-known authors, and your parents are publishers, uh, they had a relationship. And I'm assuming that maybe John and Lisa would drop Addison off in your cul-de-sac, and you guys would face (laughs) off. Was it one-on-one street hockey we're talking here? (laughs) No, no, it'd
3: be like a group of people. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not like best old buds but uh we, he was in the group and i was in the group and I, I was the goalie um i don't remember what what he played but did uh, you wear gear
0: did you wear goalie gear yeah. like uh-huh. okay how big of an influence because i played quite a bit of street hockey when i was a kid not formally yeah. i'm talking rollerblades in the cul-de-sac yeah, yeah. you know yeah, what i yeah. mean no and it was not like for sure too yeah yeah and so, so was this a league or is that the kind of situation we're yeah. talking about pick up we're talking pick up street hockey it wasn't it wasn't really a league but it was at a rink yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, is that a rig? Uh-huh. Real quick, when's the last time you guys seen kids today playing street hockey? When good, I was a kid, it was street yeah. hockey oh, was man. everywhere. Oh, I don't yeah. even know oh, yeah. the last... I don't even know if a kid didn't even know what street hockey is, and that's a real shame. Chandler, <laughs> you and Addison should do a street hockey spinoff pod. <laughs> and, you, and... Yeah, a street hockey podcast. And, and I'm into it, I'm into it. <laughs> <and> <laughs> called What yeah. the Puck. And... <laughs> <laughs> It's about street hockey and and like the first episode. Here's the first episode. All right. Street hockey. The coolest move you can do is when you flip the hockey puck up on the side like in Mighty Ducks 3 yeah, and do yeah. that crazy Goldberg slap shot. Yeah. That was the move everyone decided in street hockey. Well, obviously, that's like the best move, right? Yeah.
1: Where you, can't, you can't stop it. You can't block it. No goalie. It's called no the knuckle puck. It's called the toy. knuckle puck.
0: And you flip the hockey puck up on its side so it's standing vertically. And you wind up and you smack it. And it, and it, and it you know, flies it makes no sense why they did that mighty ducks one in a real street hockey game. There is never time to just set up the puck like that (laughs) or take a full golf swing at it, like wind up and take a standing still golf swing. And two, even if you could, it slows the puck down, making it easier to block or catch if you're the goalie. But for some reason, when kids played street hockey, it was like, just give me some space, man. I'm doing the knuckle puck here. OK, it's a game winner. I've seen how they beat the Soviets doing this. OK, they beat the Soviet unions at the Olympics in this in, in Mighty Ducks 3. So is that the kind of games we're talking here, Chandler? You and yeah. Addison yeah. would face off then? No yeah. pun intended. So in Mighty
3: Ducks 1, there is a, a similar type of, of street hockey game where it's like, like, similar type of rink. I don't know if you remember the scene, but it was like them like playing around the neighborhood with the neighborhood kids, kind of thing. That was kind yeah. of what it was. I, I'm disappointed
0: that the era of like kids live action sports movies, some involving supernatural twists, don't. Uh, They don't exist. They'll be back. Because when I was a kid, it was like it could be everything from like, and it didn't plausibility made no difference. It was like, okay, well, this this one for some reason, angels from heaven are going to come down and actually help the Los Angeles (laughs) Angels and Matthew McConaughey (laughs) angels in the outfield.
1: You know, (laughs) Jesse, for your money, for your money, which which is less plausible, (laughs) angels in the outfield in which uh, young Joseph Gordon Levitt prays for God's yeah. help for the Angels to to win you know Angels and Christopher Lloyd and his yeah. Angel Angel outfielders come and, and and I think they played actually all over I don't think it was outfield strictly no, no, outfield no, no. That but was, that, yeah, that worked yeah. but there was and one, then, one or, specific or, scene where <laughs>
0: Matthew McConaughey was lifted by Angels to catch a fly ball in the outfield
1: yes yeah. that's that's exactly right <laughs> that's right and uh, or or would it be Airbud in which uh, a golden retriever uh, is allowed that there's no rules about dogs playing basketball and this dog happens to be extra good. Which one in your mind was more plausible given your knowledge of the world well, of sports? Well, given my knowledge
0: of the world of sports and given my upbringing in a relatively charismatic church setting, I'm going to go with angels in the outfield because <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I heard people openly pray for sports teams to win in church. So I mean, yeah, it's a logical yeah. conclusion. Yeah. If God is intervening in sports games, that's he's, using angel, he's using yeah. angels to do it. Put an yeah. extra little mustard on that curve. Curve ball. <laughs> but the, but there wasn't just supernatural stuff. It was like Rookie of the Year where he breaks his arm and, and, and it heals in a way in which yeah. he can throw, you know, a crazy pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the one where a kid inherits a baseball team and assigns himself the manager.
1: Do you remember that one? <laughs> what, what was that? Was that I was thinking about it, that movie. Was what was that one? League? League. I have, a, oh, I have yeah, an encyclopedic
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> knowledge of these. It follows a similar <laughs> awesome. plot line of one with Whoopi Goldberg where she wins a halftime contest. To, like so this one uh i'm trying to remember the uh the name of the film but the here's the, the the plot of the film is this i remember i saw it in the theater when i was like 12 just cuz when you're 12 you just go see whatever movies in the theater and i and i if you listen to this podcast you can know much of my childhood was spent in front of screens i'm a huge advocate of screen time because i probably watched 5 hours of tv hits a day as a child and went to the movies all the time but in this movie it will be goldberg uh she she she's at a New York Knicks games and, and like the halftime contest is you know, if you sink that the 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 half court shot, you get to be an assistant coach for the second half of the game. You know, kind of a gimmicky thing. Well, she sinks the mm-hmm. shot, she becomes okay. the assistant coach, and wouldn't you know it, the coach gets ejected in the second half. And guess who temporarily becomes the new New York Knicks head coach? Ends up leading into the victory, and she becomes from that halftime contest uh the head coach of the <laughs> New York Knicks. All of the plots sure. were wildly implausible. Uh, 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 the I most guess. offensive and the one that is aged the most poorly from that era is called one called Joanna man, which is a sort of a modern take on the film Tootsie. Uh, but it's, it's, it, it has some very confusing gender politics because it's about an NBA player who <laughs> even saying, even describing the plot is problematic. It's about an NBA
1: player. Yeah. There's no good way <laughs> to do this. A, I know the movie. I know the movie and, and, Chandler, just keep, keep, keep finger over the edit button. I'm, I didn't write this
0: movie. I'm not endorsing this movie. I'm just saying this movie existed in this era, Tyler. That's all I'm saying. Don't you know? Oh, I don't remember yeah. that. The movie is about a, 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 a an, he's about, it's about an NBA player who who his bad boy attitude gets him kicked out of the league, but he still needs his income, so he decides to dress as a woman and join the WNBA, and that is <laughs> the plot of the film. <laughs> and uh, and oh him trying to maintain God. this ruse is the plot of the film. It has not aged well. But uh, all I'm saying is your your child. I feel like we would see more cool things like street hockey and uh you know it, like it, even just stuff like a ha- you know trying a Happy Gilmore swing at the driving range. I feel like we would yeah. we would see more fun <laughs> stuff like that if they brought back ridiculous sports movies. I feel like we've been lacking for a long
3: time. Now. Yeah.
1: Do you think there, there's an opportunity for like some sort of some sort of uh, a spin spinoff in which like a 12 year old inherits a megachurch? <laughs> that's like, great. It's uh, like a great. youth. It's like a youth Sunday. Like, it's like youth Sunday, and they get they turn over the keys <laughs> the to has, like, a heart some little 13 year old pipsqueak. And then the pastor has a heart. Pastor gets arrested. <laughs> yeah. So you know something happens, oh, no. and the, the entire church board, all the others are like, well. But what if we do? The bylaws clearly (laughs) state that if the past senior pastor goes down. While there's an associate pastor in place, then he has to remain pastor for the year until the next elder meeting. Little
0: big church. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, the,
1: <laughs> so the kid takes it on the pews and puts a ball pit in the oh, in man. the in these like he like has like hot tub parties and the baptismal. <laughs> I can Dude, already see.
0: I can already see the movie poster too, and it says like out of the mouth of babes. Or like, now this is childlike faith, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my curse not the little children like they're they literally i mean that suffer yeah. the little children <laughs> the, the, the movie oh, poster hopefully. lines just write themselves for little big church so oh that's a yeah. it's an easy
1: one yeah well hey we
0: got a lot to get to but before we get to uh slices and stuff Wait, i do. have to bring up one other thing that i've been that's been on my mind this week
1: yeah you have a note here in the and the rundown we we're talking about earlier which you don't always do usually you just say like you know it just. You skip right to just the big points, but you—you you apparently really wanted to get to this I today, do. Jesse. So I'm gonna—I'm gonna turn it over to you. Okay. Steer this conversation.
0: Okay. I and Chandler, I hope you're not offended by this. Let me preface uh-huh. it, but uh, <laughs> I, I need to be said, and it needs to be said publicly on a large platform. Uh, Tyler, <laughs> okay. I am concerned. Oh, Chandler is becoming a serial killer. Here's why. <laughs> he okay. has developed. I, I, I talked to <laughs> Jess uh, uh, on, on our team who behind the scenes, Jess is is incredible. She she keeps all yeah. of all of us on schedule, keeps everything running. Among her many duties, she does mm-hmm. that. And I and I texted her this morning. Yep. I said, Hey, if you talk to Chandler, I just want to confirm where we the start time. And she said, Yeah, I know he was up late outside trimming plants. And I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> hold on here. <laughs> hold on." He was oh, out in his yard. plants. He was out in <laughs> his yard last night tending plants, and she said, "Yeah, it was pretty yes. late." So, so I think he should be in. So, so Chandler is now out in, <laughs> yeah. out in his yard in the middle of the night uh, uh, tending plants, and so I went to his Instagram. And here yeah. are some things that I found that are concerning to me. And Tyler, <laughs> let me know if if to you this this doesn't sound oh like gosh. some sort of true crime origin story about a serial killer with like a little shop of oh. horrors twist to it, okay? First off, Chandler has changed his Twitter bio to just uh-huh. lay just to just say Plant Papa. Okay? <laughs> Poppy. Uh, well, plant poppy. Plant even poppy. Even creepier. Even weirder. Okay? <laughs> okay. So Chandler is it's now plant poppy. And yeah. I started going through some of his recent posts and in his latest Instagram story. Um, okay, mm-hmm. he, I'm going to read through the captions to a couple images and... Tyler, you let me know if this doesn't sound like someone who's slowly morphing into a serial killer who like murders people by you know uh, uh, you know strangling them with a vine from some exotic plant, okay? Or 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 has or he like creates some man eating size Venus flytrap that he sets to devour his foes, Uh-oh. okay? Like a poison yeah, ivy type, exactly. of like,
1: like eating Batman alive. All right, I'll, I'll shoot you okay. straight. So here he has,
0: there's two different pictures with plants on his Instagram. Uh, one, <laughs> and both of these captions, should I should note, are in all caps, which make them even more unsettling. One just says <laughs> babies, and it's a small plant. And it says babies. Okay. <laughs>
3: Let <laughs> that sit in for a minute.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah. Then he has There's
3: another one—a a tiny little plant that started growing in one of my plants. It's—it's uh, it's, they were literally uh, referred that, to as babies. You
1: don't need to. Just all him to him. all, right, all right, babies. <laughs> okay, it's a picture yeah, of plants yeah.
0: in pots. Yeah. He has another mm-hmm. one with with small plants in pots. All caps once again, because not everything is in all caps. Just these two captions, and it just says cute, <laughs> okay. all caps, cute. <laughs> but it's like he's shouting it, like he sees yeah. the plants, he's like cute. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It was very unsettling (laughs) to me. (laughs) Then on his Insta story last night, there is a, there is a, a, like a, a, um, he does a, like a a pan shot, a slow pan of the interior of his home. Every surface in his home, Tyler, is covered in potted plants. OK, yes. this is the inside uh-huh. of a living quarters and every surface has potted plants. And it, here, here's what it says in the text over had to bring in all of my porch plants, it, had to bring all my porch plants inside because
3: it's getting cold tonight.
0: <laughs> porch, please. <laughs> yeah. That's just the porch porch plants. No, that no, cover no. That, the was, ins-
3: that was a combination of my porch. And normal inside plants. Okay, first off, so. you live in Florida. How cold could it possibly be getting? <laughs> got, and how many of
0: these through, potted like forty degrees last night? How many of these potted plants do you have? <laughs> there had to be there had to be north of forty in in your apartment last night. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Which is very odd to me that he's kind of doing this jumanji thing outside. Okay, then there was another one from from a few days ago, and it showed. Plants in like tall plants in the in plots. And here's the and it was a series of pictures. Uh-huh. And Tyler, let me know if this isn't uh, uh, possibly the creepiest thing you read on the Internet. OK, <laughs> OK, this this <laughs> caption to this is is the, the most unsettling caption I've ever heard on Instagram. OK, I'm going to read it. Spent okay. my night dividing a 10 year old snake plant. This is the family portrait. And then it's a picture <laughs> of a bunch of plants. <laughs> First off, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anything, there's no such thing as a snake plant. That sounds too creepy to be real. one it's he made sure to note it's 10 years old like he's taking he's taking pleasure in dividing this ancient plant into segments like some kind of psychopath putting it in plants and then he calls it his family portrait okay Mm -hmm. this is the equivalent of receiving a letter in the mail that is constructed entirely of cut out magazine letters and includes a picture of you with the eye holes cut out okay that's this level creepy tyler are you concerned about this behavior that Chandler's um, demonstrating on Instagram.
1: <laughs> I, I've been the, you're your, the, the way you laid it all out. Jesse I'm glad we're talking I about mean, it I'm here, kind of, Chandler. The way that you're among friends. Now, I'm concerned about it, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I want you to know, you know these these plants are never going to fill that hole in your soul. Oh, yeah. They're not going to do what, what you what you want them yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. That's, wh- that's going to come from from uh, something, Chandler. Else. Where did the
0: origins? Know. Where did the origins of this plant obsession? Because it
3: seems relatively recent. Seems like you went all yeah, in. It seems it like you went all in on this thing. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I moved to a new place within last year and um, I I started getting plants as like a decor thing, you know? And then I assumed that I would probably have a hard time, maybe kill some of them and ended up not. And you get, you know, two at a time. And eventually I started learning about how to find them outside and pot them myself. And now I have a pretty big collection so now i have a pretty big family who loves me and will do anything
0: <laughs> to protect we'll do anything to protect what we have and i do mean anything exactly anyone who yeah. comes from my family and they're like which is plants that i found outside and potted and divided uh, and and yeah and, jesse yeah. do you have do you have any plants in your house jesse i have a fake plant i have i have a large fake uh, plant downstairs yeah, yeah. but i have nothing and so you,
1: you don't get a lot of emotional relational satisfaction or anything no from your i don't plant. sleep in the same bed with him like chandler does <laughs> <laughs> we don't all cuddle at
0: night we don't have a family cuddle session
1: <laughs> tyler are you a plant uh, guy i not really no we, we have some plants i guess but it's more it's mostly liz's thing i have a garden yeah it's not I'm seeing a lot have, of use right now
3: but haven't I have haven't gotten into the gardening thing yet but that, that's probably the next step yeah,
1: you like to
0: make yeah. sure your plants can be in pots so that you can hug them and bring them places where, you, know, <laughs> you would never eat your family.
3: Exactly. So true. Yeah, you're not a weirdo. Something. You're not going to eat them. Just sadistic, right?
0: You're not going to eat them. You just like to set them around the dinner table, set plates for them, and sit at the head of the table and talk to them every night. I'm not a weirdo. I'm not going to eat them. I'm I'm a sicko I just like to set them in the furniture around the house, dress them in people clothes and talk to them as if they're elderly women. What's wrong with that? I want wisdom and companionship I don't see anything wrong with it yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it seems yeah, like everything's well, going great. It seems like everything. <laughs> yeah, you're doing really well. We're doing really well. We'll, I mean, we'll, well. we'll let Addison know. I want to well, encourage hey, the nurturing listen, I'll let spirit. Addison know Chandler's doing just great. He's got a whole plant family and it's growing. <laughs> it's got it's lots growing of very, very rapidly. His plant family's growing concerningly rapidly. Right he's doing great. He's doing, he's
1: doing fantastic. <laughs> All right. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do slices. It's only going to get better from here on. <laughs>
2: Without any complications Does
3: it always get up? Does it always up? Gotta, gotta be so complicated When I'm
2: way too young To begin You're
1: listening to Complicated by Mac Miller. They released that new uh, posthumous album from Mac Miller last Friday, and it was really good. It's a a lot of, a lot of good songs on there. Uh, At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Marching by Theophilus London. All right. It's time for Slices. Uh, Jesse, why don't you start us off here? This isn't it. This is one. uh, Tell me what's going on here. Let, let, let's dig into this. All
0: right, so I came across a viral tweet this weekend. It was posted on I think the the 18th. I don't know what day that was, Saturday or Sunday or something. As of as of reading this, it was posted the 18th. We're, we're doing this on the 21st on a Tuesday. And so far this tweet has uh 20,000 retweets and more than 70,000 likes on Twitter. And it it here here's the tweet. It said, "The perfect character backstory doesn't ex and it's like a line, like he's cut off, uh, uh, cut the, off. The, the writer. His name is Jeff. The, the the tweet. And then it is a screenshot of an IMDB description of a film. Here's the film. It's called the Pastor, And here's the description. After losing his parents, a <laughs> priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to return to allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first horrified by this new power, a prostitute convinces him to use it to fight crime. <laughs> and ninjas. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Velocipastor, a, a, Uh you know, a grieving, you know, clergyman travels to China and, and learns the ability to become a a, a dinosaur and fight crime. Now Uh this sounded really familiar to me and Tyler, you and I write a lot of stuff and and curate a lot of content for our website. And I messaged you this morning and I'm like, we've written about this, right? Velocipaster. This is not your first encounter with us.
1: No, we have written about it. I I don't know where it is or unless this is one of those like Berenstein, Berenstein things where Mm -hmm. this happened in a different timeline. I know we have discussed, at least I've written about it for relevant. I feel like we would have discussed it on the podcast too, but I I know I've written about it.
0: The weird thing is I could find nothing in our database because that, that, that indicates that we've ever discussed this before. Now, listeners, write in and tell us if we're wrong. But I can't yeah. find anything. But unless this is, yeah, two universes, and there was a diversion point that Tyler and I both missed. And in that former reality, we've talked extensively about this. Large Hadron Collider. Which actually just came out in, in, in August. So it's, it just came out you know a few months ago. So um, it had a very limited release. But I got very interested in Velocipaster, not just because it, for some reason it sounded very, very familiar to me. But also I wanted to know how a movie about this came to exist. I did watch the trailer. And I will say that this movie is likely a very hard R. Uh, for, any, for anyone uh, that is concerned. Um, so I read an interview that the, the writer director, uh, relatively recently did with Forbes. And I love how, uh, I love how it, it, uh, the origins of this, of this film came about. This is a scenario where the, the, the whole film was basically reverse engineered from an autocorrect mistake. For uh, uh, he, he the, the, this is how the film director came up with this idea that he literally dedicated almost a decade making happen and bringing it into fruition. Like th- this movie, he tried to get started on Kickstarter. He had a couple of crowdsourcing. He eventually had a private investor um, that uh, uh, is like a family friend who ended up giving him $35,000 for the entire budget to make the film, which he did, uh, 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 but, but this took a long time to make. and um, <laughs> But it started because I was, tr- this is his quote, I was trying to type Velociraptor into my phone and it autocorrected to Pastor." And that's the origins. Like, it's like, that's
2: too good. good. Once you've it's got too it, good.
1: once you've got that, you don't turn around. The door was kicked open for you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah. The, the universe is trying to tell you something because
0: here's the thing. I have no idea. Like, I don't, I still don't fully understand how autocorrect works, but why would it suggest, were you trying to say VelociPaster? Like, what, who in the, da- who's writing the database? It's like, no, no, no. He's not saying Velociraptor there. He's definitely saying VelociPaster. That's, that's the, let's go ahead and correct this for him. But it, it, it gave him this idea for this insane movie. And I think the origins of it, I mean, he just reverse engineered it from there. He said at first he wanted to make the movie some sort of subtle commentary about the Catholic Church and its power and its corruption. Then he's like, no, no, no. I'm just going to make it as weird as possible and throw some ninjas in there. Um, <laughs> one, it's weird that that I forgot that this like if this if I never saw this tweet. That went viral over the weekend. I may have entirely forgotten that this film ever existed, or that we've ever provided any kind of commentary on it. Uh, then I went, I could never, I can't find anything we've actually said about it, and it just set off a very odd strain of events. But I'm gl- very glad that this exists. And here's what I'm thinking about doing, guys. Um, this film, I did do some research. It's not on Netflix or anything, but I can rent it. Uh, you know, it's available for like VOD uh, rent. I, 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 I'm thinking of. Uh I, I my my family's going out of town this weekend so I'll have I'll have the place to oh, myself. I see where you're going with this. I over the weekend will be re, will be watching Velocipaster. I will right. be paying the 3.99, that's hopefully recouping this great. this guy's investment here of 35 grand. I will be paying the the 3.99 to watch it on YouTube and yeah. I will issue a report and a re, and a review on next week's a Tuesday episode of the relevant podcast you can hear my <laughs> review of Philosoph Pastor and I will be taking very good notes throughout so uh, I'm, I'm excited that this brought back brought it back to my memory because I'm actually extremely curious about this film now.
1: there's a uh, <laughs> the reason this one has stuck with me is uh it came into my back into my consciousness uh a couple months ago because of uh, a writer over at the AV Club a writer I really like her name is Alex McClevey. Uh, wrote she. She has a there's a regular column over there called Home Video Hell, in which they do kind of what we're talking about, Jesse. In which they write about they 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 find a really bad video, a really bad home video, watch it and give a, an honest review of it, uh, which is what happened with Velocipastor and McLevy handled it here. And uh, it's it sounds like, Jesse, you are in for a real treat. The, some extensive clips were posted. There's a lot of clips posted just to that alone, oh, including wow. I don't want to give any any spoilers, but they do post the final fight. And I, I, I could not believe my eyes when I saw it. I don't want to say we'll we'll discuss it at length. I don't want to take anything away from it because I do want this to happen. I want you to see this movie. Yeah, and no then I want to Discuss it. Yeah, yeah we'll, discuss, yeah, we'll it discuss it together. Discuss but at I, think, next week. I think you're in for a, a treat. I do want to read just a, a brief section selection from uh, from her uh, right up okay. here, which is which is this. Uh, One of the most purely wonderful things about the Velocipastor is how much of a bleep it doesn't give about trying to explain itself. This movie is the cinematic equivalent of your stoned roommate in college, barely awake at 5 a.m. and trying to explain how totally awesome it would be if you could combine a dinosaur with a priest and have it fight evil. More specifically, it's that same stoned friend. If you then went out and actually tried to make that movie, Presumably, while also while still high and possibly also drunk. Good work, friend. You think to yourself, while also cringing at what the people he worked with to achieve his vision possibly had to endure. Yet at the same time, come on! You'd immediately start bugging him to see the results of his handiwork. So that's all to say, Jesse. I think that uh if that sounds, sounds good like a to real you. Treat. Yeah, that sounds good to you, and and I hope it does. Then uh, we got a lot to look forward to.
0: I don't feel like we can honestly say that our show and brand exists at the intersection of faith of culture, faith and culture. If I haven't taken the time to see a film called Velosa <laughs> Pastor, <Philosopher. laughs> like I feel like so I'm doing myself a disservice. I feel like I'm doing the filmmakers a disservice. <laughs> I'm certainly doing our audience a disservice. So uh, stay tuned
1: for that next week. But
0: that, that is that is the slice that I was. Very eager to talk about today.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so I've got a. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna do. If it's all right with y'all, I'm gonna do two here this week. The first one is uh, speaking of of bizarre uh, home video situations. Uh, there's there's one that came across our desk just in the last week, and uh, Jesse, I expressed to you my shock that it took us this long. We didn't even know about this until there was actual footage that existed on yeah. the internet. Yeah, you know what I mean. That was ready to go. I do. I feel like this should have been in our. We we start covering movies from the announcement a lot of times, yeah. well before there's a cast or anything in place. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet, and yet, it, it took all the way. Until there was a real live uh, clip being released online for us to be aware that this thing exists, which, as you said, a Velocipastor exists right at the intersection of faith and culture. I am, of course, talking about a new um, a movie, a musical, a musical movie called A Week Away. A Week Away. And uh, A Week Away is it, it, it appears to be a movie that takes place at a Christian camp. That's right. And all the songs are provided from some of the 90s CCM youth group canon all stars like Mike Levy Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, uh, Amy Grant. Uh, to give you a uh, audio really neat, big house and uh-huh. big house is in it. You've got Rich Mullen. Rich Mullins makes an appearance here yeah. uh, to really get the full uh, the full effect of this uh, of what we're about to play. You need to watch it, but I do want to play at least a little bit of the clip that was released online. Uh, let's go ahead and roll that.
2: Reason,
1: to appreciate what you just heard, you need to understand that this is not being sung to God. This is this song is being sung, Michael L.B. Smith's My Place in This World is being sung by what appeared to be two young, like, love-struck teens on a dock at sunset. It's a yeah. very romantic setting and they're singing it to each other and they're dancing? They are. Kind of? They're sort of
0: like ballroom dancing. Like, yeah. it's a singing place <laughs> in this world.
1: Now, Tyler, I don't know if you saw this, but there
0: was an official plot synopsis. Uh, 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 well, yeah, there was. So this is how Billboard, Billboard Magazine actually did a big thing. on. Here's how they describe the plot, they said it involves troubled teen Will Haskins <laughs> who has a run in with the law and avoids a juvenile facility by instead going to a church youth camp. At first, he's a fish out of water but soon finds friendship and acceptance. Now, okay and it should be said it's sort of like um, high school musical style, you know. Uh,
1: it looks, the poster looks very high school to the point where they even have kind of the high school musical like archetypes Yeah, very clearly identified in the in the poster. Now I want to okay. So presumably,
0: Will Hoskins here, the bad boy, you know, a judge Mm -hmm. sentences him to church camp, where for some reason, church camp where people (laughs) speak in instead of dialogue, they sing '90s CCM songs (laughs) to communicate with each other.
1: A punishment. I wouldn't wish it on my worst. I would be like, you know what, you know what, just send me to
0: juvie. I listen. I was a trouble teen at youth camp. I wouldn't call myself a trouble teen. If I was a troublemaking teen that went to several youth camps. Listen, send me to juvie. <laughs> let me just let me just do my time, okay? Like, <laughs> let me just do my time. Ty- okay, Tyler. Uh, on, on a non ironic scale of how yeah. excited, because I, I, we, all of us have a certain fondness for, uh, you know, songs That's like Place really in the World, Amy Grant, mm-hmm. Audio Adrenaline, you know, Big House, all those. But, uh, you know, I saddle of your horses, you know, uh, but on a non ironic scale of how eager you are to actually see this movie, where would you rank yourself on a scale of one to ten
1: that's a really good question I've been trying to figure that out all weekend since I first saw this. I don't know the answer i'm having i'm i feel i can't believe it exists first of all. Yeah. this is just yeah. a very strange thing i I obviously can't wait to see it like I will see it as soon as I possibly can if the I hope we get some sort of screener or something uh, because I want to watch it really bad is it is it ironic is it sincere no it's both this is a this is like a Schrodinger's cat situation where I am both dreading and excited about it. I saw a lot of people online re- responding with things like, oh, bar fur, oh, my yeah. ears are bleeding. I'm not there. That's yeah, not yeah, how me I'm is I want, I want to watch it, and I think I will have a blast. It's kind of how I feel about a lot of people. I think this is gonna be, and somebody else sa- said this on Twitter, I think this is gonna be our cats in a lot of ways. Okay. it, it ex- <laughs> It's gonna be our like very bizarre, otherworldly, I can't tell which way I'm enjoying this but I am enjoying this yeah. situation. That's what I think is going to be.
0: And, and this isn't and this isn't any kind of dig at like the filmmakers or or the filmmaking because it's the production quality looks great, right? The, like uh-huh. it looks like and, and they have like the the stars of this film are, are are you know I say kids they're like in their early twenties but uh you know young actors and actresses who've been in you know you know notable things and Disney Channel stuff CW stuff um, but uh the the thing is like I wouldn't watch. I wouldn't watch like high, a high school musical, Disney musical. It it doesn't interest me, you know? Right. And yeah. so, right. so yeah. like the hesitation I have isn't because of like the project itself. It's just because like that genre, I'm not exactly, I'm a dude in my thirties. It's not a, you know, those movies aren't made for me. Right. So maybe the intended audience, the, the, yeah. the, yeah. the like tweens and families who watch you know, teen musicals, maybe this is like, you know, right in the crosshairs of what they like. They, the, the, the strangeness to me is not so much that it uses even Christian music or that's set at a Christian camp. Honestly, if you're making a teen musical, those are, that's a logical setting and that's a logical, uh, a choice to make to make it a mm-hmm. church camp. And to make a Christian music for the musical the, even those aren't that, that hot, you know, and, and they probably are giving the intended audience exactly what they want. The thing that is the curious part about it and that makes me want to see it for myself is the era of Christian music that they've chosen because <laughs> like there seems early to 90s, be. Yeah, because it's not even like late 80s. It's not like we're living in a time where there isn't a lot of great, you know, quote unquote, Christian music being made right i mean uh-huh. it, it, we play a lot on this podcast we talk to a lot of artists who are christians you know particularly kind of in like the worshipy realm who are putting out fantastic music currently right like we talk about them all the time and we talk to them all the time on this podcast because we enjoy their music the interesting thing about this is they chose to jump back 20 years at least And at least. Yeah. And and choose music that that was created when none of the people in the film who are all like in their early 20s or late teens were even alive when Uh was popular. It would be like Disney making a teen musical, but using like classic rock for some Madonna. Yeah. 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 And I don't I'm not saying I have any issue with the choice. I just find it fascinating that, that 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 was the choice. Like we
1: just heard place in this world. So, uh, like, uh, you know. But aren't you kind of but isn't this kind of uh, in some ways you're making a show for people our age from that era depicting the Christian camp experience they had hoped that they that they thought they were going to have singing Michael W. Smith to each other on the docks. This is this is a bit of this is like wish fulfillment 30 years removed for a lot of these people, which I need. I need to reference this. This is important to note because a lot of people noted this online as well. I, I find it easier to believe that in real life, two kids would sing Michael W. Smith to each other at a Christian camp then I do that they would like hold hands, which these two do and dance together, which breaks at every Christian camp yeah. I was ever involved with. No small yeah, number. That would be, that would yeah, not be allowed. No you would get in a lot of trouble. There's no, it happened. It happened, yeah. but it wasn't supposed to it, happen. It, it, you know, it it, it,
0: it, it's very different from the church experience, the church camp experiences of my youth, which mostly involve, you know, getting yelled at in a private room by a youth assistant for making a fart noise when, the guest speaker said every head bow every close. It's like, we're all at church camp, man. We all go to church together. We have done the altar call. Like, I've seen every one of these people go to multiple altar calls. Okay, it's the church youth group. There's no bad boys here. There's no one. A judge didn't order anyone at this camp. Do we? Can we just do a different sermon? That's all. That's the only reason I made the fart noise. And I'm sorry. You didn't have to call my parents about it.
1: What if you were what if you were like one of the counselors at this at this Christian camp, you know, you're you're whatever. They have different names out there. Shepherds or or like yeoman. It's always some weird name. And uh, you were told, hey, just so you guys know, there was a there's a kid out here. He was going to go to jail. But instead, they decided to send him to a camp yeah, full of ex- young children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for Will Hawkins. He's a. Uh, yeah. How would, he, he's feel, how would you feel? How would
0: you feel? Exactly. If you're just one of the other parents and be like, hey, listen, it's going to be a great camp. We're going to do water balloons. We got a good cabin situation. We got almost enough chaperones. By the way, a kid, a judge is literally forcing here. So he's not in prison. It's going to be around. Uh, no big deal. It's fish out of water. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think the kids will be safe. Don't worry. They'll be sleeping. Uh, he'll be on a top bunk. So if he were, you know, we'll see him sneak out if he's going to go do another, you know, commit another crime. Um, don't worry. We'll we'll keep we'll keep one eye on this kid. You know,
1: now, but if you, if you if you haven't been and, and I have if you haven't been like out at, at one in the morning out prowling the campgrounds because there's one boy and one girl from from each tent missing then that that's like that's like <laughs> true that's like that's Defcon one if that's the highest one I can ever remember that's that's the high Defcon oh, level yeah. of church can- and that's and that's what these two and that's what I'm thinking when I watch these two kids dancing at the dock is there is a search party that is out with flashlights and dogs <laughs> somebody He's oh, out with man, Haskins. <laughs> s- <laughs> <laughs> the, the kid, the, kid who was gonna get to juvie. The, the kid, the kid that committed doing a literal crime. Yeah, <laughs> the kid. The kid is it,
0: who is here because he's a criminal. Yeah, but I do. But like it does like this seems like a very earnest thing, like a lot of these like faith based films. But I, I will say I it's and part of me is like kudos to the filmmakers for for shooting a shot here with something totally different uh, yeah. and interesting. They believed
1: in it. Yeah. And, and look, they believed and look
0: in man, I know we're making a lot of fun, but I am going to see the movie. There's a thousand percent chance I'm
1: seeing it. And as soon as I can. And I will, and I will give it my honest review. Yeah. Like I will, I will, and I I, if love. I like it, I will not pretend I'm not, I'm going to enter this movie fully prepared to really enjoy myself. Cause I think I will.
0: Let me ask you guys, this This is what I'm doing with the movie. And I know you got another slice and we got a, We got a lot to get to. We got
1: a lot to do. Yeah. But
0: real quick, what's the Ch- Chandler, did you go to any church camps growing up? Oh Yeah. Okay. Every year, so, every oh wow. Okay, so yeah. all all three of us were in church camp. Uh, what's the most trouble each of you got at church camp?
1: Oh man.
3: Oh, I was a good kid at church camp, so I don't. I don't think I have really ever gotten.
1: I find that trouble. hard to believe, Chandler. Tyler, do you?
0: Did
3: yeah, you ever? Did you? Yeah, <laughs> that
0: is shocking, hey, Chandler. Chandler. <laughs> was snuck off and had a you know they found like all these candles like lit in a circle with weird symbols and Chandler standing in the middle surrounded by potted plants you know chanting and they got pretty creeped out but other than that other, other than, than that, that it's been just fine that was, that was a minor, yeah. minor that was a minor incident yeah tyler what um what what did you ever get were well, you were probably a good kid too right
1: I was a pretty good kid. I was always i was a i was a romantic kid, so I was always trying to sneak off with girls to go to go kiss uh-huh. them down by the down by the lake front yeah. at, at Marinette the Bible <laughs> nice. Camp yeah. out there in Nebraska. Which, I so I got yelled at that a lot. But then I came back as a counselor. I couldn't have gotten in that much trouble. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't hate me being there.
0: I was gonna say my the most trouble I got in was as a counselor. Like was like later in life because I just remembered. You know, when I was like volunteering, you know, to help at a couple church, you know, youth camp retreats, I was like, look, man, if I'm going, I am not doing all these dumb rules because I didn't do them when I was a teenager. And just because I happen to be officially an adult now, I'm definitely not following them." And I remember I got in trouble for cutting down a tree at the camp. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were really content on. I was like, guys, we're going to have an awesome fire because I wanted to like tell weird ghost stories, just freak the kids out, you know, everybody didn't have any wood and we were exploring the camp and i found an axe in an old barn like i was just rooting around in old barns and stuff and i found an axe and we chopped out a tree and we and we burned it and as we're leaving the uh, packing up in the camp, <laughs> somebody came over. It's like, hey, listen, guys, someone uh snuck in here and chopped down a very old tree <laughs> on the property last <laughs> night. <laughs> um, so just keep your eye out. We have no idea who would have snuck on the property and done that. Everyone's just kind of looking at each other like, oh yeah, who would have what kind of psycho would have done that? <laughs> Chandler Chandler Strang, that weird plant guy isn't around here, is he? <laughs> I would never never kill a tree. <laughs> never. I let trees never. do the killing. <laughs> <laughs> I would never hurt my family and they would never hurt me. <laughs> they w- I wonder if they would they whisper things to me in the night. <laughs>
1: I've got so many questions about this and I do hope oh, I do I yeah mostly i just want to see i just want to see the movie i just i really do want to, yeah. i really do want to see it and I'd love to hear a little more about the how did who who approached who who approached amy grant's people who approached michael Leibold? what was that conversation like was this a hard one to get and I wonder what the sequel's gonna be like are we gonna move on to the later nineties like the d c talk yeah. newsboys uh jackie velasquez like that whole era of the of the situation yeah uh, i, uh, I if Except this one goes one, well, it probably that will. One's at the
0: lock-in. That's called lock-in. Uh, you know, one night, <laughs> one night can change everything if you stay up for it. You know, and it's like it's the church lock in where you're doing, you know, weird stunts with water balloons and, you know, marshmallow eating contests and stuff. You know, it's but again, for some reason, the only plot point that didn't evolve with this is you're locked in a church with someone who's been sentenced there by a judge because he's a criminal. Yeah. And it's like, wait, I'm locked in a building with this guy all night. Uh, all
1: right. He literally committed a crime. That's why he's here. You you've stole you stole five cars. You, uh, you fled from the law. You assaulted a police officer. You punched a police officer. I'm going to give you one more chance, provided <laughs> you do eight solid hours of community service by going down to the local youth activity center and staying there all night. <laughs> With the Baptist Hills Community Youth Group,
0: it, it, you know, don't leave first until song. the sun
1: rises without getting in trouble. And
0: and, and and like the 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 chaperones come together for the first big musical number, which is now we've <laughs> we've fast forwarded a little bit into the nineties, and they gather everyone up. They're like, "All right, everyone, including you, Will Haskins, we <laughs> don't want it. We don't <laughs> want it. you sex for now. That's ground rule number one." <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I can see it. I've got what I do yeah. have. One more slice. Uh, and this is we're, we're we're finally gonna get time to get serious. All right, okay. buckle Let's up. Buckle, this is a, this is on. a real thing. This is a it's the, we promised you meat and potatoes, and we're bringing them. Um, and Jesse, this is more your actually Jesse and Chandler. This is both a little more part of your respective worlds than it is mine. So I'm gonna read the basic story and then toss it to you. All right, I have come across a new prophecy, a prophecy from the internet where I find most of my prophetic news and, uh, and and here's what it is here. Here's the, here's the, the, the elevator pitch for it. Uh, the Kansas city chiefs winning the super bowl will be a sign of the end times. So let me give you a little bit of background on this before you reach it. Obviously we live in a lot of strange times. Um, Australia is still burning. It's on fire. Uh, the president is currently on trial right now. Russia is up to something. Uh, but, but the real sign, the real thing we need to be keeping an eye on those of us who are on who are on end times watch 2020 is the Super Bowl. Uh, the, what, what's happening in the NFL right now. This is according to Sean Boltz. Sean is the author of several books on prophecy, and he's the host of TV shows on places like CBN and TBN. And he wrote on Facebook in a viral post that he had heard someone else tell him that God told him that, and this is a quote, the Chiefs would go to the Super Bowl and win it. He shared that when they won it, it would be a sign of upcoming and end time revival. All right. He explained that God is raising up his chiefs. That's the explanation here. His chiefs to be apostolic leaders in many spheres of influence. Today, if you follow football, you will see that the chiefs have their first chance for 50 years as they are going to the Super Bowl. This could be the time. All right. So he credits this prophecy to a man by the name of Bob Jones. This is not the Bob Jones of Bob Jones University infamy. This is a different Bob Jones. He was the leader of a group that was called the Kansas City Prophets. And that sort of became what's now the International House of Prayer, uh, which I think is still in Kansas City. I hopped down there. Uh, Jones has prophesied a lot. I say he has kind of a shaky track record with his prophecies. He passed away in 2014 uh, and I could find no record of this prophecy being written down. Down. So if Bob Jones did prophesy it, then he only told it, it appears to uh, this man, to Sean Bolts. But that is the prophecy. And I did see I came across it in the wild. It got passed around a lot. It went viral. I don't know a lot about the NFL. Jesse, that's your lane. I also don't yeah. know a lot about uh, charismatic, the charismatic world, which is where he comes from. Chandler, that was more your growing up experience. So I want to toss this yeah. to you both to, to hash this one out a little bit. Well, uh, OK, a lot to unpack.
0: Uh, for, well, first off, let's say this, like I, I did in Chandler, as you too, probably can relate <clears throat> growing up prophecies like this were not uncommon, you know what I yeah, mean? For to, sure. to hear for stuff sure. like this. Um, and it, you know, uh, Bob Jones obviously has a background with IHOP, the International House of Prayer and, and. I think IHOP has done a lot of great stuff. And I think, you know, we, we've talked, we've, you know, I, I know we've had, we've talked to Mike Bickle uh, uh, in the past who who has helped helm that ministry. You know, Corey Asbury, who hosted, who co-hosted the show with us, uh, you know, last week was Corey on, guys?
3: Was that, was that yeah, like the last uh, yeah. of the show?
0: You know, he told a story about getting to start in worship ministry at IHOP. But
3: yeah, as. I, I actually, I played drums for a summer at IHOP.
0: Oh, did you really? Like, oh, like, okay. But,
3: but ten plus years ago, yeah.
0: <laughs> but but even Corey, who has some experience there in Chandler, you could probably and I, and I've had various affiliations, you know, loosely over the years with you know stuff when when especially when I was uh you know kind of in a more kind of charismatic church setting um with with their ministries. But even Corey kind of acknowledged there are things just like any ministry, right? So I'm not trying to like call them out that can get get a little strange sometimes like Corey told like a story about, you know, a strange, you know, kind of awkward thing that happened at a, at a service there when he was there and and Chandler, I'm sure you, you witnessed some interesting things while there.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There is a real, it's it's kind of like a personality thing. Like some people are just strange people, you know? Yeah, exactly. And when you
0: combine people, people being people with a zeal for, the supernatural sometimes that zeal can go into like zealousness a little and then it can yeah. go to overzealousness yeah. so i don't want to disparage uh ihop and i don't want to disparage um no. people who seek prophecy but there is sort of a pattern sometimes that emerges where you know especially as it pertains to like end times prophecies in particular that you know and this isn't this isn't isolated to the modern era of evangelicalism where people had, you know, through Christian leaders throughout history, since the early church, when they thought that Jesus's return was imminent and in their lifetime, were making predictions and prophecies about the end times that never came to fruition. Uh, look, God can do whatever he wants. The second coming can happen whenever a revival can break out whenever, uh, it, you know, so who's, so who's to say w- w- what's actually going to happen. But uh, there is a pattern of unfulfilled prophecies when it comes to if a certain current event transpires, that will trigger this this yeah. apocalypse or this will trigger mm-hmm. the end times. A- a- you know. And it just seems odd that it isn't like, well, it's not based on like a geopolitical situation, which would maybe... Um, you know, preclude something that's foretold about like a war in the book of Revelations, like the, the Revelation talks a lot about wars, particularly in the Holy Land. He's not like saying if Iran invades Israel, it's going to trigger the end times. You know, right. he's saying if the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, for some reason, that will trigger the end times or be the symbol. Look, anything can happen. But I think when it comes to end times prophecies, it's good to proceed with caution, it, you know, and take things with a grain of salt because the Bible, Tyler, you and I were talking about this explicitly, uh, talking about this before the podcast. The Bible explicitly warns that no person knows the the right. day or the hour. It says that Jesus doesn't even know when he's. He said that only God the Father knows. And so, uh, again, if you know, there is in Scripture tons of prophecies and tons of weird stuff. But I think we need to kind of. Have real discernment if we're linking sports victories to the second comings of Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, that, so that seems like you know it, it should it should give us some caution. You know,
1: and it seems like it's it's one of those things where it, it would it just seems very unlikely that the the town this this guy happens to live in, the football team that he happens to likely cheer for that that he yeah. would like to see win the Super Bowl, it is going to be the the key to. Uh, An end times revival based also largely on a sort of an appropriation of the word chiefs, which seems like it has its own mess of of problematic connotations to it. We were talking, uh, Jesse, last week, there was that study from LifeWay. LifeWay's uh, research team put out that new study that was really quite interesting, I thought, about how Protestant pastors feel about signs of the end times. And it turns out that the vast majority of pastors, 86%, if I remember correctly, say that global events aren't going to speed Jesus's return. They don't believe that that's yeah. something that, uh, while they're often accused of believing that of, uh, of goading war in the middle East, for example, for their own apocalyptic ends, most pastors really don't think that's the case. Obviously some do. And, uh, and, you you do hear about those people. They make a lot of noise, but it is not the majority opinion. And moreover, the more educated, uh, the more more theological training pastors have, the less likely they are to believe it. So I I think that that's worth noting when talking about something like this. I I don't limit uh, what God can or can't do. And I don't limit what sort of things he might choose to, to, how he might choose to reveal himself. I Find the idea of who's going to win the Super Bowl to be a little bit bizarre, but but uh, I, I'm, I'm ready to eat my words. Uh, but but maybe I'm just just because I have a I'm rooting for the 49ers in this particular. Yeah, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. We we'll love to see his I, I to think, you just on, come up. And- hang on,
1: I'm getting a vision right now. No. Quick correction. If the 49ers win, <laughs> that's the actual sign of the entire. All right. There's yeah, a little no, lost I, in translation. He,
0: yeah. And, and like, that, look, man, and that's not to discourage people from earnestly seeking, uh, you know, kind of. The voice of God. Like, I think that's an important thing. I think, you know, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, particularly in the New Testament, that it's just easier for modern Christians to ignore. And I feel like, you know, we've seen that obviously with like social issues, you know, where, where you know, there, mm-hmm. there are these direct commands to um you know help the poor and refugees and uh you know uh strangers among us like that often gets ignored but the other stuff that often gets ignored because i think it's it's hard to think about and it's it's kind of sometimes uncomfortable is like the the stuff that involves like prophecy and healing and miracles and you know this stuff that's like well it can exist in this box of, well, this is in the Bible and the Bible uh, happened a long time ago and we're not sure what's literal and what's metaphor and, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, well, let's be concerned about the issues of the day. Like, I, I totally understand that, but I also think, I, I think it's good to have conversations about things like prophecy, you know, and, and the supernatural and understanding the role that they play in the modern Christian life um, because I don't, I, I, I don't think that's something like this, which seems a little kind of out there, potentially problematic with like the the like you were saying, Tyler, the, the appropriation of the chief's name. You know, this is just kind of weird and out there. I don't think stuff like this should make people afraid of earnestly pursuing genuine spiritual insight that may be, you know, um, more than what they're used to. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's totally true. And I think that people can get so, I think that's the danger of stuff like this is it can turn you off to the whole idea of God revealing things to you and God yeah. speaking important things to you. And that can be things about, uh, that, that could involve things about, things to come. I, I believe that's possible. But I also think it could that could close you off to the idea of God speaking to you about what he wants from your life and your yeah. relationships and your work in the world. and And I think that's why I get so frustrated with some of these people who, maybe with good intentions or, or maybe just charlatans, both definitely exist out there, try to appropriate the idea of God speaking to them for their own, uh, for their own ends in a way that does real harm to the work that God can, does and, and wants to do and has done historically and in the present day through the people who are trying to listen to what God has to say. So I, I hope that even when we're making light of some of these prophecies, Uh, I do that. I think we all do that out of a sincere belief that there is, uh, that, that God really does talk to people and we want to honor that, uh, and, and dismiss examples of that, that from people who may have, uh, their own and their own selfish ends in mind, um, whatever that might look like. So that, that's, 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 why we care about this, and I, I think that yeah. we've all, we've all seen examples, and many of us have probably had examples of God uh, placing a call on us or speaking to us and giving us insights into a situation maybe not seeing how the world is going to end but maybe just uh, what God wants from us in in our day-to-day lives and it can be and things bigger than that too uh, so that's so that's something that I want to, to honor and cherish on this podcast and in what we write on relevant and I hope nobody takes any jabs yeah, at some course. other so-called prophets to be anything other than- exactly okay well that'll wrap it up for this week's slices when we come back Addison Bevere joins us.
2: So let me be sad tonight, sad tonight, sad tonight. Sad tonight, so right, Can't feel so right.
1: You're listening to Sad Tonight oh, by Chelsea Cutler. Sad tonight is how I felt whenever I got yelled at by the youth group, by the youth group Brass. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: you want to go back was, to Juvie? <laughs> <laughs> Do you?
1: Well, Addison Bevere is the COO of the ministry Messenger International, it's the founder of the organization Sons and Daughters, a movement created to connect this generation to the adventure, freedom and purpose Found in our creator. He's the author of the new book, Saints, Becoming More Than Christians. He's also the son of authors and ministers, John and Lisa Bevere. Jesse, you recently spoke yeah. with Addison about the book and what many believers get wrong about the ideas of being a saint, right?
0: Yeah. And like I said, I I and I and we me and him talked a little bit after the interview, one about Chandler's pathetic skills and goal. I mean, he would <laughs> he allowed so many points in those old street hockey days. And Addison's still pretty upset about that, Chandler, <laughs> that you really let the team. Down, yeah. uh, he couldn't let he couldn't believe that you let a uh, uh, a knuckle puck through.
1: Uh, <laughs> Tore a hole in his hand. Yeah, went, went right, right through, through your it. glove. Ew. Comically
0: Ew. went. It was yeah, you
1: look at you. Chandler
0: like lifted up his hockey mask and looked at his glove. And it was a hockey puck sized <laughs> hole that was smoking in the glove. So and Chandler okay. went. What?
2: That's uh, why you uh, used a knuckle puck. Yeah, that's why you
0: after we talked extensively about that, we did talk about how refreshing it is to have a book that really does challenge an idea about something. Like I said, that's it, that's very tough to do, is to take a term or an idea that people have familiarity with and really challenge what they think about it. And this book does a fantastic job and it legitimately will will challenge you in in your faith and spiritual growth. So anyway, here is I'm excited for people here as part of my conversation with Addison Bevere the idea for the book is so cool. Like, um, I I love kind of unpacking a term that a lot of people are familiar with, but aren't really familiar with, you know what I mean? Like we, especially in sort of like non like in like Protestant circles, like evangelical circles, you know, I guess they're like, kind of like Catholic upbringings. People have an idea of like saints, but for evangelicals, like it's sort of just this term that we know because, you know, it's, it's used in the gospels, but we don't really, you know, have a context for it. Tell me a little bit about how the idea and the concept for the book kind of came about.
4: Yeah. So I was actually reading a book that was published, I think it was in the early 1900s. And the book wasn't about saints, but the author, he, he made a brief reference to saints. And it was a single line, and what he wrote, he that he referred to them as people who practice and participate in the mystery of the final day. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. What practice and participate in the mystery of the final day? And I, I had this certain idea of what a saint was at that time. I was like, no, I, I really want to dive into this. I want to figure out what this means because it really intrigued me. And so that was, honestly, that was the catalyst for this deep dive into what a saint is.
0: So when you started this deep dive, uh, you know, what what did you find out about kind of the idea of a saint that kind of surprised you?
4: Yeah. Well, I think there, I mean, there's quite a few ideas that that surprised me. The first one is, is that the identifier of saint, it doesn't just belong to dead people. Mm. (laughs) We have this idea of a saint. We think of someone who lived a good life. It's a post-mortem distinction. It's like, oh, that that person accomplished X, Y, and Z, so they were canonized by the institutional church. But if you look at the New Testament and the way that the word is used, it's actually used in a way that energizes the present and merges the worlds of what is and what will be. And so it's actually an identifier that gives meaning to the here and now for the purpose of vision, for the purpose of hope, for the purpose of faith, and moving the world into everything that God has spoken over it.
0: That, that's, that's such a, a powerful idea. And I guess like kind of the logical follow up is like, you know, for a Christian that wants to be considered someone who is like a saint in, in, in God's eyes that can participate in this kind of eternal purpose. How do they get from point A to point B? How do, how do they go from kind of considering themselves just like a follower of Christ to someone who has this sort of like eternal divine purpose?
4: Yeah, well, I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to deconstruct the idea that the, that the identifier of saint only belongs to this exclusive group of people. If you look at the the New Testament, the, the writers of the New Testament, they use the word Christian only three times. Hmm. Twice in Acts, once in First Peter. That's it. Christianos in the Greek, only three times. But the word saint is used over 60 times. It's Hagios in the Greek. And it was the identifier of the early church. So when Paul would write... To the believers in, in Ephesus, he would say to the saints in Ephesus, yeah. to the saints in Rome. It wasn't like to the select few who are saints. He would refer to all of them as saints, and again, it was a it was a present distinction. And the whole idea here with saints is that this this identifier actually possesses everything that we crave as human beings: mission, belonging, meaning, uniqueness. All of these things, these ideas that we look for in our existence they are all found within this word of saint. And so what he's doing when he addresses them as saints, he's, he's speaking to who they are today in this moment right now. And he's also with that single word. He's also connecting them with the purpose, the inherent purpose that's tied with what it means to be the people of God.
0: It, that that kind of leads to an interesting, but I feel like a controversial question Uh, For some people who are listening, but do do you feel like it is time or it should be considered that we might not abandon the term Christian, but to, you know, maybe not use it as the primary identifier uh, of ourselves, especially as it pertains to our faith?
4: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I've heard more and more people refer to our world as the post-Christian world. Um, When I think of the, the term Christian, I think of a cultural identifier, Recently, I was on a I was on a plane, and uh, this happens to me quite a bit. I'm very introverted, but when I'm on planes, like I have to talk to people and I have to interact with people. So these, <laughs> these I'm the same way. The, I get a lot of great convos gonna, up there. You're yeah. the same way.
0: Yeah,
4: <laughs> right. I mean, once we get going, it's amazing. I mean, where else are and you I was sitting having in one of those conversations?
0: Yeah, that close proximity to people, you
4: know. Yeah, like two inches, yeah, exactly. two inches from yeah. a complete stranger.
0: Yeah.
4: And it's rude if you don't at least acknowledge their existence at some point during the flight. Yeah. As, as hard as I try to not, as hard as I try to just be like, okay, I'm here by myself in my own bubble. It, it just doesn't work. Yeah. But I was having this conversation with this lady and she, and she let me in, like for whatever reason, like her walls went down and, and she went deep very fast and and she just started asking my advice and my opinions on different things and then toward toward the end of our conversation she looked at me and she's like what what religious practice do you follow mm. And I was in that moment, honestly, I just like squirmed in my seat. I'm like, I do not want to tell her I'm a Christian. (laughs) And honestly, like most of my adult life, I've struggled with this idea of identifying as a Christian. Like, listen, I have no problem identifying as a follower of Jesus. He is the only human who got this whole humanity thing right. Like, I love following in his footsteps and wrestling with that tension and figuring out what it means to be a follower of Christ in today's world. But when we think of, of a Christian, there's so many stereotypes and stigmas that are wrapped around that label. So the identifier of Christian isn't inherently or necessarily a bad identifier, but I do think because it's become a cultural identifier, it's lost its meaning, and um, it's, it's become something that's confusing for a lot of people.
0: So what would you suggest as, like, kind of, and not to go too far down a rabbit trail, but, like, as an alternative, especially in the context of saint, because a lot of people, <laughs> there, there probably aren't a lot of people yeah. who become, you know, you're more likely to hear people say, well, I'm no saint, you know, like, qualify it like that, right. but, <laughs> but if if you want someone yeah. to, like, kind of capture you know, the identity, um, you know, sort of ramifications of that term, but without sort of being self-aggrandizing, sure. what what would you suggest to someone if they want to identify themselves uh, without the kind of the baggage of Christian?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's challenging. I mean, what I would do before I, I stumbled upon the immensity of the term saint, what I would do is I would identify as a follower of Christ. And the reason with this, with this book, the subtitle is Becoming More Than Christians, and uh, the word Christians is in quotations, um, if, if, we're, if we're saying, oh, I'm, I'm a saint, like that does have a certain connotation and it will give a certain vibe to people like, oh, I'm such an amazing per- person. And we do use the, the term flippantly like, oh, she's such a saint. But the reality is, if we look at our history and if we look at the mission that, that is tied to what it means to be a follower of Christ, there really is no better word than saint. And I think we need a revolution of identity. And one of the definitions of the word revolution is to go back to the beginning. And when we go back to the beginning of this idea of following Christ, we find this word saint. And and, and so for me, I love the word saint because it requires us to break down the barriers that we conveniently construct between the secular and the sacred, mm. and and that's and that's one of the big ideas of a saint is like saints refuse to allow those barriers to exist. They refuse to call anything off limits. And really, ever since the Enlightenment, we as the people of God, we we said like, hey, we'll take we'll take like our church services, we'll take our Bible studies, we'll take our prayer groups, and then the secular space can have industry, can have the arts, science, economics, all of that. We're going to call that secular. And we've created this duality. We've created this dichotomy between um, between what it means to, to be a follower of Christ and what it means to live our normal everyday lives. And, and saints, by deconstructing that barrier, they actually find meaning in the mundane. And that's what so many people are looking for. Like, they're looking for meaning in their everyday lives. Mm. And saints are people who dignify our everyday lives because they have a vision for what will be, what should be, what could be that energizes this moment, this relationship, this opportunity, this workplace, whatever it is we find ourselves in.
1: That was Addison Bevere. Next up, your feedback.
2: Me lazy,
0: lazy, get caught up in a maybe, maybe, I
1: don't really mind waiting. You're listening to oh, Lazy by Surfaces. Lazy is a judge who sentences you to juvie <laughs> <laughs> Instead of taking the more creative and arguably more redemptive path of sending you... To a church camp. (laughs) Okay, so last week, uh, we asked you lots of movie news. Lots of Christian movie news in this pod today. I told you we were going to stay in the ditch. I warned you at the outset. You should have seen this coming. Last week, we asked you to pitch and cast a movie based on CCM stars. You didn't disappoint. Here are some of our favorite responses.
0: Yeah, and we should say this is in reference to... Uh, Kevin, well, there's a lot of CCM movies. There's new Jeremy Camp biopic and Kevin Max asked people on Twitter to uh, pitch them casting a DC talk movie. So we wanted to hear we wanted to hear uh, some some people's ideas. And, you know,
1: honestly, a lot of these would be really good. I'm not. I'm, I'm of the mind and have always been of the mind that there's a good movie in like the, in like doing a Christian music biopic. If it was told, if all the real stuff got in there, if it, if it was like a gritty behind the scenes look at what really goes on, I'm not confident that'll ever happen, but that's in my mind. That's how we're pitching all of these
0: yeah okay so i want to read this first one and th- th- i don't even know if we're gonna get past this first one there's a ton of feedback are we so starting we, with this one i think we need to but i can't get past it. Okay. my mind has been waiting for this moment the whole pot okay okay
1: all right so, let's do so
0: a listener named ryan george tweeted this seth rogan and tom holland portray keith and steve green during uh the rise of christian radio which by the way Love great it. casting great story Great true life CCM figures. He completes a tweet. Two different looks, two different voices, one battle royale to determine who gets a seat next to Sandy Patty at the double wars. Sandy Patty, obviously another very important figure at the rise of Christian radio. She was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the darling, the biggest, one of the biggest stars. Okay. So I, 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 follow that tweet. I'm like, listen, that's a great pitch. I love the cast. I love the idea of it leading to the double wars with Sandy Patty.
1: Yeah. That's a great story.
0: So I, I, I look at that tweet and, and I, and I, in it, when I, when I was, uh, uh, grabbing it, I clicked on it to copy and paste it and drop it into the rundown so we could read it. And I noticed that it had a reply. Okay. Someone replied to that tweet. The person, or it's not even a person, the account that the Twitter account that replied <laughs> to that tweet is the Indiana Pizza Club, which is exactly what it sounds. It is a club in Indiana. There's a website and all they do is talk there uh, evidently of people who live in Indiana, but all they do is talk about pizza. It's, pizza it is entirely the account and the website and the club is entirely dedicated to pizza in indiana okay
1: so that's which is weird but fine like, it's yeah, fine Pizza club. Club. why not yeah, I would, if they had a virginia mm-hmm. pizza club you better believe i'd be, I'd be a member I'd be, I'd i wish every absolutely. state had a pizza club uh-huh.
0: and also great band name chandler if you saw that there's a band called indiana pizza club would you not give them a spend.
3: <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. It's a great so,
0: band name. But anyway, it's, this isn't a band. This is an actual pizza club in Indiana. And here was what they replied. And, and this is the entirety of the reply. And this is so freaking baffling to me. This is, and this is the reply to the tweet. Sandy Patty destroyed the economy in Anderson, Indiana. <laughs> First. First, man, the Indiana Pizza Club is not happy with Sandy Patty. OK, they were like on the trigger. Someone's talking about Sandy Patty. They should know. Like, why would they reply to that tweet? They, like the Indiana Pizza Club is sitting there like monitoring mentions of Sandy Patty and they find a fake movie pitch involving Seth Rogen and Tom Holland as Christian music figures. And they're like, well, this the person who wrote this tweet needs to know. That just FYI, that Sandy Patty you're so excited about, she destroyed the economy at Anderson, Indiana. How would a single person who is a single person? Yeah. Not just Sandy Patty, but how would any singular person destroy the economy of a fairly large town and a large state? And we have heard nothing about this. Like, and how does a pizza club have inside info?
1: (laughs) This smacks. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities here. The most likely one is that the Indiana Pizza Club was particularly into one pizza restaurant in Anderson, Indiana, and somehow blamed Sandy Patty for its demise. That's the only possible connective tissue. But I did some Googling, I did a little research here. No such signs. Nobody in Anderson, Indiana, where it's true, Sandy Patty did briefly live. But nobody there seems to have any ill will towards her. There's no, in fact, (laughs) as far as I can tell, their economy is doing quite well, Uh, as well, as well as any like small town in the Midwest. Can You know, tough times, but I don't think you can blame that on Sandy Patty. Unless there's something we don't know. Have I reached out to the Indiana Pizza Club for more information? Yes, I have. Have they responded? No, they have not. That raises a whole new list of questions. <laughs> it does. And, and like stand by your tweet. And,
0: and, and listen, the burden of proof is on the Indiana Pizza Club, not Sandy exactly. Patty here. Sandy Patty isn't here making wild accusations about the Indiana Pizza Club. <laughs> exactly. It's the opposite okay
1: i'll the reach birth. out to sandy when i have a real accusation not just a tweet that could be coming from for all i know a russian bot trying to trying to, to to divide the ccm industry
0: but why would the russian everything about this is baffling because why would the russian bot be posing as the indiana pizza club like why would they think oh that's a good no one will expect us we're just into pizza in indiana yeah. you know that's how they operate man that's how they it's are. a very you, you, odd you, you tweet. never know it, it you know, who knew that this this week's question of the week would open up such a rabbit hole? You know,
1: I hope that next <laughs> week if, when if I get my velocity
0: review, you can <laughs> tell us what you heard from the pizza club.
1: <laughs> if they have more, I'll, I'll definitely tell. And if they're and if it's true, well, then that's the CCM movie. I don't I don't really care about about keith green and, and steve green anymore uh, what i want to know is i want to see the story of a of a dark sinister ccm star who would stop at nothing to bring her hometown to ruin as vengeance for what they did for perceived slights from her time growing up there and presumably having to do with a pizza restaurant
0: it's uh you know it's <laughs> it's a bizarre story okay uh, also from ryan uh th- that was the only that was the only one that the Indiana Pizza Club jumped into the mentions. Uh
1: oh, Ryan's I like good this at one. this though. Ryan's good at this. He, he's yeah. got a he's got a neck for this. He
0: also cast Margot Robbie in, as a fledgling CV, CCM artist and the international icon in Katie. It's it's obviously the Katy Perry story.
1: The Katie, the Katie, the Katie Hudson slash Katy Perry yeah, yeah, story. Exactly. Which would yeah. be which again, there's a story there. That that, oh, would, be yeah. Th- that would be a good movie. That would be a movie. fascinating story. And and Margot would be the person to do it. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Aaron said, and this this one could almost happen, and he's back in the news lately, Uh we go back a few decades, for Larry Norman, the first Christian Rocker, which includes a hint about Keith Green creating an organization called Sparrow, then the present day sequel, Larry Norman teams up with DC Talk to Destroy Sparrow. That's a real story. That's a very twisted tale. There's a lot of ups and downs with that one. He didn't cast it. I don't know who you put Larry Norman. Larry Norman was kind of uh he was a, he was very much a '70s kind of a, a rock looking guy, a big yeah. guy with a, with a lot of hair. Uh, he looked like he belongs in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and one of the Manson scenes.
0: <laughs> uh, well, let's just have one of those actors do it. Um, Juan said his pitch is the two newsboys: <laughs> a behind the scenes look at the tension and ultimate friendship between Peter. Peter Furler, who we played by Howie Mandel, interesting cast (laughs) choice there, uh, and Michael Tate, played by Tyler Perry, as one passes Newsboys' leadership to the other. Tagline: Breakfast together, not a chance. You know, I could see it. I could. Again, I'd probably watch that. I honestly would. Like, if I was home alone and then like it's like "Ah, I got nothing else on Netflix, it's either firing up an old office or the two Newsboys. I'm probably watching the two Newsboys.
1: I, I I won't say too much here. But, uh, I do, I do, I feel readers should know, Jesse, you and Chandler should know that, uh, that, uh, not that, with with off the record this was an off the record conversation so I can't say so I can't say who or what but a, a CCM star with whom all of our listeners are very familiar did reach out to me in the DMs and said they've already put together a treatment for their own biopic about about their life and uh, with, with cast with a with a director in mind casting in mind and sort of a loose outline and uh, and talked and said there's a few pages of dialogue that were put together and, and it's can't for say real who. it's not a, it's I can't a, say this, this, this is, is for real. This is something they're this actually is, pursuing. This really happened. Yeah, wow. this really happened. And they would really like to see this happen eventually. I won't get into I won't even tell you if you get it right. Maybe, maybe off the re- maybe off the record, Destiny and Chandler and I can talk about it a little bit. Wow, I'm but intrigued. Uh, I'll say, it, I'll I'm say intrigued. this. They've got a good eye for casting. It made sense. Okay. When I saw when I saw it all break broken down, I was like, huh? I get it. I wow. get it. I see the vision. I am intrigued. Hopefully, it comes to fruition so listeners uh, can find out. Ty, why don't you
0: read one more? Aaron sent us a couple of good ones too. I,
1: yeah. yeah, Aaron does have a lot of good ones here, and I, and I like them all a lot. Um, I think that the uh, that that the idea of doing a striper movie makes a lot of sense. Uh, Aaron didn't cast this one, but uh, it's a striper comes from a different world and occupies the fish out of water role a little more into supernatural stuff than the rest of the team. Also an excuse to do an 80s throwback movie, of course. And I think that's striper is somebody I think a lot of people know by name. A lot of Christians know by name, but probably aren't super familiar with their actual music, which was very uh it's real hair metal like that was that was was that was really weird stuff it was really really good and i think that would be uh the the again the script rights itself anybody can run with one of these and make a really good movie out of it you just have to get the rights yeah which may not be easy okay
0: why don't we throw to this week's
4: editorial question of
0: the week teller how about this man i have an idea for editorial question week. we talked about this the other week I, you know, when, uh, Corey was on, uh, and we teased to it and we didn't ask it. We said, we're going to ask it in a future week. So I would say we Uh, ask it now the best hot mic story you have preferably from some sort of church or speaking engagement. So like the, 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 the preacher leaves his wireless mic on and goes to the bathroom or, uh, you know, someone says something into a mic in a service that wasn't intended to be broadcast. We want to hear those also in, in light of the Veloce pastor, uh, origins. I want to hear your best auto correct accidents like you're texting or <laughs> emailing something. Yeah. Yeah, it autocorrects good. and hijinks ensue to a word you did. So hot mic at church. We want to hear funny awkward hot mic stories of someone saying things, something into the microphone not meant to be broadcast out but was anyway and your best auto correct stories tweet us those at relevant podcast tweet us at relevant podcast. We might read yours on the air next week. I'm excited I'm excited to see those
1: I'm excited to see him too, and uh, I think with that, that's actually going to wrap it up for us. We got through it. Who was not easy? It? We, did it. we warned you. We warned. We warned everybody. But hey, this is a there was a little bit of everything we like to get to in relevant podcast today. I, I would say that we we got we were on and off the rails in equal measure. That's the way I like it. We talked about getting in trouble at camp. I want that to be a recurring segment now. Uh, we can definitely keep that going for, uh, for a few weeks. We've talked about plants for a long time. And we're going to revisit all these topics incessantly throughout 2020. So uh,
0: I hope you all enjoyed it. <laughs> this is a New, new chapter. New <laughs>
1: chapter. <laughs>
0: now, we'll, we'll have serious go host.
1: Uh, joining us soon, but it's sometimes it's nice
0: just to a little weird it's nice to get we
1: did weird. we did get to talk to uh to to author and 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 street hockey great addison Bavair uh that was a great conversation. Saints is out now. I hope you pick that book up and also hey make sure you subscribe to the relevant daily The relevant daily is the the podcast that comes at you Monday through Friday with the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture that you need to know about uh we'd love to uh, to see more of you on that one with that I think we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Taylor String. I'm Jesse Carey. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you Friday.
3: Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast.
0: Can we just do a different sermon? That's all. That's the only reason I made the fart noise. And I'm sorry. You didn't have to call my parents about it. Relevant Podcast Network.